we actually have more people than I thought we would have. Um, in times past, and by the way, for the benefit of, uh, I think we have one visitor, uh, but or two, but for the, your benefit, I was the preacher here for over 30 years, and I retired three years ago. And I remember the days before internet, and yes, I am that old, uh, that when we had a group this small, we'd get together and we'd just sing and take communion and go home. Well, because we now have uh, an online audience and we're streaming, we probably have almost a full church uh, building uh, just from that. And so we, we will proceed as though they are here. Um, Kent called me on Friday and said that there's been kind of a little outbreak of COVID and that uh, his family is suffering from that and asked me if I would, he said, we're going to cancel class. And he said, would you do your class for the sermon? And I told him I would. Now, the story behind that is um, even though I'm retired, I have stayed with this congregation uh, because it's just a great church. And um, Kent, uh, the preacher, uh, wants to use me a lot. And so, uh, and one of the benefits of being uh, retired is I get to study a lot. I really enjoy study. It's kind of my thing. And so I learn new things, and Kent likes to take advantage of that. He asked me to do a class, a new class on... Um, a new creation, and that's been a little area I've been studying for about the last two or three years. And he said, would you do a class on this and let us record it so that we can post it online and members who don't get to go to your class will be able to view it. And I told him I would, and it'll be a, a 10 to 12 week course. And uh, so that was supposed to begin today. and. It didn't begin today, but it's going to begin in this sermon form. Now, the drawback to that is I normally get about 45 minutes. So I promise you I won't go over 45 minutes this morning. Uh, yeah, you laugh, but you don't remember the old days, right? Uh, okay, so um, that's our class. Let me have the next slide. Okay, this is what the class is going to look like. Um, Paradise Law. I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about the problem that we've had as, as Christians over the last several hundred years. We have developed a concept that has become a, a paradigm. It's become something we believe without even thinking about it. And We've come to believe that our goal as Christians is to have our sins forgiven so we can go to heaven. That's our goal. We think that's why Jesus came, was so that our sins can be forgiven and we can then go to heaven when we die. And though that is somewhat true, it's only, it's only one brick in the building. It's only one brick in the wall. The purpose of God is much, much broader than that. And having our sins forgiven and going to heaven when we die is only a very small part of that picture. 
And because that has become the big deal to us, it, it kind of stunts our, our spiritual growth somewhat because we don't really understand the big picture. And it's not because the big picture is not revealed uh, in the Word of God, but it's because we've been told and taught something different. I mean, growing up uh, as a Christian and growing up in, a, in the Western Christian world, we'd see cartoons of some cartoon character dying and he, his spirit floats up to heaven and he gets a halo and some wings and he sits on a cloud and he plays a harp. And so we think that that's our goal. We think that's our purpose. And we've heard preaching over and over. We've so focused on the one brick in the wall that we've forgotten what the rest of it looks like. And so the purpose of this lesson is to show us what the rest of the wall looks like. And, and so um, I want, we will be dealing with, uh, and, and yes, being saved is a goal, and going to heaven is a goal, but it's only a goal. It's only, like I said, part of the picture. Um, so uh, for now, and you can see the outline, uh, Paradise Lost. It's going to talk about uh, the problem of sin, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, but deal with it in much more in-depth. Uh, why sin is part of the picture. Sin is serious. Why? Because it kills us. It kills us. Now, the big issue isn't sin. The big issue is being dead. And, and so we've got to deal with sin because it kills us. And so just because you've got some, you know, nice Kool-Aid that might be poison and it tastes good, you don't want to drink it because it'll kill you. And that's the way sin is. And so we've got, we've got to deal with all of that. So what I want to do is I want, I want to, in order to set the stage for this class, and it's going to be every Sunday morning for the next few weeks in the junior auditorium, which is right behind us. And to prepare for that class, like Kent asked me to do this morning, is I want to talk about what the goal is. What is the wall? What is the big picture? And then once we understand what the big picture is, we're going to start pulling the bricks out that make that wall and looking at them on an individual basis and understanding them. So what we're going to do is we're going to get a macro view, and then we're going to start looking at micro views and, and trying to understand it. Uh, so what, what is God's goal? I mean, what is his purpose? When God created the universe, what was he thinking? What did he have in mind? What, and when he created us humans, what what was he thinking and, and what did he want to happen? Well, the Bible reveals to us that God's purpose in creation and creating us was so that we would be as his children, as his unique part of the creation, as his children, we would co-rule with him over the universe. Uh, it would be like you if, as a father and you had a group of children 
this is imaginary, of course, but, uh, you know, if you bought a grocery store, you wanted to bless your children, and you bought a grocery store, and you, you turned the, the management of that store over to your children and, and gave them complete uh, autonomy and authority to run that grocery store. Even though it's yours, you're allowing them to run that grocery store. And so that's kind of what the creation is. God created, and then he says, now let's, let's make man in our image. And he put us over the works of his hands. And he wants us to co-rule with him. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 4 through 6, says, What is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him, and he's talking about mankind, okay, all of us. You have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things, how much? All things. All things, thank you, Alton, uh, uh, under his feet. So God created us for this, for ruling. So why don't we do it? I mean, if that's why he created us and that's our purpose, why don't we see it? Why aren't we ruling uh, the creation? And I, by the way, my opinion, and what did I just say it is? My opinion is that when we see Jesus as a human being, and how he worked in the creation and controlled it and ruled over it, I think we're seeing what was intended for us. Because Jesus was a man. And he's still a man. He's one of us. And so <clears throat> the intention of God is for us to rule over the creation. So why don't we? Well, basically, uh, it's because mankind sinned. We rebelled against our Creator, Romans 3.23, as a verse you're all familiar with. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin's a problem. And we're going to see that the reason sin is a problem is it kills us. Sin kills us. And it's not just, I, I know that we've gotten in the habit of talking about spiritual death and physical death, and there's some truth to that, but the big issue is physical death. Now, the reason we don't understand that is because we had this thought of cartoon, we had this cartoon thought that when we die, we go to heaven. And when we die, if you're a Christian, you do go to heaven. <laughs> Like N.T. Wright said, one of my favorite authors, he says, you know, heaven is great, but it's not the end of the world. What does he mean by that? Well, the end of the world is where we're going to get bodies back. The end of the world is where, where our bodies are going to be resurrected. And that's our goal. Because as human beings with bodies, we'll be able then to regain the, the rule with God of the universe. So the problem is we have, we, we've been cursed. 
and our curse is because of us. And when we sin, it kills us. We die. We have to. You know, there's an interesting text that I'll deal with in much more detail, uh, probably not in this sermon, in one of my classes, but it says uh, in Romans 7 that sin is in the body. I know you thought it was in your mind, but the, the, the source of your sin issue is your body. Paul says in Romans 7, he says it four times, that sin is in our flesh. It's in our body. And so how are we going to kill sin? As a human being, humans, sin is in our body. So how are we going to get rid of it? It's got to be killed. Sin has to be destroyed. And so the natural result of sin in our body is we've got to die. Our bodies have got to die. And when our bodies die, sin is destroyed. Our sin is destroyed. And so God's going to give us new bodies, not new, brand new, but he's going to resurrect like he did Jesus, just like he did Jesus. He's going to resurrect his body, but it's going to be different. How is it different? Sin is no longer there. We're going to be resurrected with sinless bodies so that we can co-rule the universe with him. The text that was read to us this morning uh, basically says that. There's several texts that say it, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 13 through 18 that was read to us, he said, but, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. And that's his term to refer to Christians who have died. Why didn't he just say those who have died? Because he wants us to remember that sleep's temporary. You know, we don't get, we don't grieve. I don't grieve when my wife goes to sleep. Why? Because it's temporary. She's going to wake up again. And that's why he says, I don't want you to grieve like the rest of the people who have no hope. Because death for them is death. But for the Christian, death is sleep. Because we're going to stand up again. And he says, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Yes. Yes. Even so, even so means in the same way. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Think about that a minute. So where are those who, where are the Christians who have died? Where are those who have died in Jesus? They're with God. Because he says God is going to bring them with him. So where are they? They're with him. And so when Jesus returns, he's going to bring the spirits of those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Okay, think about this. What's the picture? Christians die in the Lord. They, they go to be with God. That's what the text says. They're with him. When he returns, when Jesus returns, God returns through Jesus. Jesus comes, you know, shouts out, I don't know why, wake up! And all of the graves will be emptied. And they'll have new bodies. And if you haven't died yet, instead of being resurrected, your body will suddenly be changed into a new body. So if our goal is to die and go to heaven, what's this bringing them back and resurrecting them about? Because as Christians, when we die, we do go to be with God. We do go to heaven. And we're with God. So what's this coming back thing about? It's because that's dying and go to heaven, going to heaven is not our goal. The goal is resurrection. That's why it has to happen. If, if the goal was just to die and go to heaven, then there would be no need for a resurrection because we're already there, right? So the fact that, that we've got to be restored, put back into bodies, indicates God's purpose. So... There's a reason. God's purpose was for us to rule with him over the creation. And we can't do that as just spirits. Do you hear what I just said? As a spirit in heaven with God, we are not fully human. Now, we're human spirits, but we're not fully human. You know what makes a human being? Genesis, God created a man's body from the dirt. Was that body a human being? No, it wasn't. It was a human body, but he wasn't a human being yet. And then God breathed into him the breath of life. So now you've got a body that has the breath or spirit in it. By the way, spirit, it's interesting in both Hebrew and Greek. For my visitor friends, I, I, I lived in Greece for 10 years, so I, I'm fluent in Greek. The, the, the word spirit in Hebrew and Greek is also translated breath, wind. To breathe. And only the context tells you whether it's saying spirit or breath or wind. So God breathes into this body that he created and he becomes a living soul. And a soul is who you are. It's the union of a body and a spirit. It's who you are, your personality. And that soul, that human being, is who God's created to rule with him over the universe. So if you take, this, if you just, if you take the body away from it, what do you've got? You've got a human spirit, but you don't have a living soul. 
And God's purpose is so that we would rule with him over the universe as living souls, as human beings. And when our bodies are destroyed and die, then that can't happen. So in order for God to accomplish his original goal, his purpose, is he's got to redo us. He's got to recreate us with new bodies that, that do not have sin in them. And, and we are going to become, and, and we are in the process of being just like the man, Jesus. That's another problem I think the church has had. We've so talked about Jesus in such a way that we, we, we get the idea that maybe he glowed in the dark or something. That he wasn't really fully a human being. But Jesus is one of us. And he will be from now on one of us. You know, I like the passage in, uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. He says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man. Who? The man, the man Jesus Christ. So at the time Paul was writing 1 Timothy, which was probably, I'm going to guess, around 60 A.D., 30 years after the, res after the death and resurrection of Jesus, he says Jesus is still a man. He's one of us. And he's the first one of us to go through the transition of becoming new creation. He has the new body right now that's both physical and spiritual. It's a spirit body because he could suddenly appear in a room. Well, where was he before he appeared in the room? He didn't walk through a door. He was there, you just couldn't see him because he's spirit. And then he chooses to appear and he appears Everybody in the room starts screaming, ah, it's a ghost. He said, no, no, I'm not a ghost. Touch me. Put your hands in my wounds. It's me. Give me something to eat. Why did he eat? Was he hungry? No, because spirits don't eat. Ghosts don't eat. He says, I'm a human being, but I've got a different kind of body now. And that's where you and I are headed. That's what's going to happen to us. So that we can rule over the creation. We fell. We fell into sin. We rebelled against God. And as a result of that, guess what? The creation that we were supposed to rule over also fell. Because the managers fell down and weren't who they were supposed to be. And so the creation rebelled. And so the creation has to be also resurrected. First, second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 13, he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense, with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So what's going to happen to the heavens and the earth? It's going to be destroyed. 
just like our bodies are going to be destroyed if we live before the return of Jesus and die. But when Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy the heavens, plural, and the earth and all its works that all be burned up. He says, verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and good godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, listen, this is what he's promising. According to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So the picture is, the Bible speaks of the current creation and the current humanity is, it's all dying because of sin. And sin is kind of built in us. I didn't talk about that, I don't have time, but again, Romans 7, it's in our flesh. It's, it's, it's part of us. And so the creation's got to be destroyed and brought back. The human body's got to be destroyed and brought back. And then the new creation, we will rule over that. I like the text in 1 Corinthians. It really wakes us up. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2 and 3. He says, Or do you not know, and this, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Did you know that? That's God's intention. Remember, He created us to rule over the creation. He says, we're going to judge the world. And then in verse 3, he says, do you not know that we will judge angels? So what I want you to understand is, yeah, going, dying, and being a Christian, and dying and go to, going to heaven is great, but it's not the end of the world. Our intention is to sit down with Jesus on his throne and rule over the whole creation. To sit down with our brother, our human brother, Jesus, and rule over the creation. Our human brother, one of us, now rules over the whole creation. And we're going to join him. And that's God's goal. And, and, and we've, we're, what we're about right now is we're trying to deal with our sin issue. Sin is a problem. Why? Because it kills us. And so if God wants to bring us back, sin has got to be dealt with. I get so tired of hearing on the news and people talk and, you know, they say, well, we've got to have this rehabilitation program. We've got to... Our policemen have got to be counselors, you know, Jeff, right? Got to be counselors. And that's, we don't need somebody out there with a strong arm to deal with misbehavior. We need counselors. And, and the problem is they're working from a false premise. And you and I work from a false premise for the most part. We think that humans are basically good, right? Do we or don't we? Afraid to answer on that one, huh? Okay. We think humans are basically good, and if they get, and the only reason they do bad things is something bad has happened to them. Or somebody's mistreated them. Or they're disadvantaged. But that's not the message of the Bible. 
Let me tell you what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 6, just before God is going to destroy the whole world and all the human beings with a giant flood, he says, 6 verse 5 and 6, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. And God was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. You say, yeah, but that was before the flood, that was then. Well, after the flood, in Genesis chapter 8, Noah comes off the ark, he builds a sacrifice to God, and it says this. Um, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, this is what God is saying. Do, all, do you believe in God? Yes. You believe that everything God says is true? Then God said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Do you believe that? Well, if you believe in God, you believe it. You don't have any choice. You have to believe it. And some things can be, we, we can be rehabilitated somewhat at times. Our behaviors get out of whack and we need some rehabilitation. But the bottom line is our hearts are bad as humans. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil how often? Continually. Go to the next slide. There you go, next one. How often is man thinking about evil? Continually. And then he says in chapter 8, the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is God's estimation of us. And we've got to quit looking at people and saying, and about, even about ourselves, well, they're, they're really good people. Humans are really good. No, they're not. We're evil. And we're inclined towards evil. And we need to be saved from that evil. The evil that we are inclined to kills us and destroys the creation and prevents us from being who God wants us to be co-rulers with him over the universe, judging the angels, sitting on the throne with Jesus. And so God is in the process of dealing with sin by forgiving it and then by giving us new bodies in a new creation. You see, God has to forgive sin if he's going to deal with us at all. And I'm going to say this, it's real important, because I think this is where the church has really gotten off track. When we become Christians, we don't all of a sudden become good. Because what God said about us in Genesis is still true. 
Now our want-tos have changed. When we become Christians, when we do what Jesus said and we get baptized and we receive the, the Holy Spirit that rebirths us, he rebirths, he has an impact on our spirit. And that then causes us to desire good and not evil. But listen, evil's still there. Our want to has changed. Oh, I've had this conversation with preachers so many times. We'd go to the preacher's luncheon and preachers would be in there and this subject would come up and they'd talk about, you know, no, 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 when you become a Christian, uh, you don't sin. Really? You don't sin? Well, I have an occasional. Then you're a sinner. <laughs> you know, get over yourself. You're a sinner. And you need Jesus every minute, every second of your life to forgive you of your sin. The issue is forgiveness. And even though after we become Christians, we still struggle with the sin that's in the flesh. I challenge you to read Romans 7 when you get home. And Paul talks about, I, the man who wants to do good, find the principle that evil is still in me, in my body. And that's true of every one of us. And so we need to be forgiven. And the way God forgives us is we look at the sacrifice of Jesus. Where when he died, he, he destroys sin. And we take the destruction of sin that he accomplished in his body and accept it as something for us. And I say to God, God, I, I, I want you. I want to live for you. I want to change. I want to live forever. I want, to, I want to rule the creation with you. And he says, okay, get baptized. And by doing that, you're accepting Jesus' sacrifice as being for you, which removes your sins, removes your guilt, and changes your want to. You know, most of you know my life. I was a drug dealer. I was a scoundrel of a guy. I worked in a bar. When I became a Christian, I was working in a bar. I wanted to sin. I liked it. I liked getting drunk. I liked getting high. I liked fornicating. I liked all of that. I wanted to do that. And then I became a Christian. My want-tos changed. And I no longer wanted to do that. I wanted to live for God. And because I wanted it, I struggled with all my heart to do it. Guess what? Sin was still in my flesh. And I need His forgiveness every day of my life. If you're not a Christian, and I look through the audience, this invitation maybe is not totally necessary, but it is necessary. If you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian so that you can live forever and rule with Jesus and have your sins forgiven. If you are a Christian, you need to ask yourself this question when we stand and sing this song. How do people act who are going to judge angels?
accents daily live. I surrender.